Hello and welcome back to the Vol Report Show. I'm Ryan Sylvia, joined by Noah Taylor, and we're coming off a trip to Gainesville. Just got back yesterday after we saw Tennessee fall 29 to 16 to Florida on the road. A disappointing game, a game that it felt like Tennessee was finally going to get over that hump in the swamp for the first time since 2003. Weren't able to get it done. So we're going to talk about that, kind of put a bow on that Florida game, leave it in the past, and try to move forward, and then talk about the UTSA game coming up, Tennessee's second game at home this season after beating Austin P in Week 2. So we have a packed show today. Let's jump right into it. Just talked about that Florida loss. Noah, I'm curious – when watching that game and, and now letting it kind of sit for two days now, what is the biggest issue on this team right now that needs to be corrected? Yeah. I mean, I would say it, it starts with the offense and I didn't think I, I would be saying that, you know, uh, in year three under the way the first two seasons of Josh Heupel's tenure have gone uh, more specifically to that Florida game. It, it was the offensive line right now. I, I think, uh, a week ago was the connection between Joe Milton and the receivers. Uh, the run game was gelling. Uh, big plays were open, not a lot, but they were open a little bit um, when they were there, and, and Tennessee went after them. Uh, but Saturday, you know, they, they couldn't consistently establish a run game. Uh, mm-hmm. Joe Milton looked better, in my opinion, but the offensive line didn't really give him time to develop uh, a lot of plays, and the ones he did connect on were impressive. Uh, and then you had, obviously, the interception being one, uh, a good example of the offensive line just not, you know, being on the same page with him up front. I, I don't know if that's because Cooper Mays has been out, but, you know, now we're going into week four w- without him playing. Um, you'd like to think he, he will play soon. Probably, we have no word on that yet. Um, he was on the sideline Saturday. He's been sideline the last two weeks. And as far as we know, he's been out of practice the last two weeks. So, um, but at this point, it's it's kind of concerning, I guess, that, they've had some time to be without Cooper going back to training camp as well. And uh, for whatever reason right now, the offensive line just isn't, you know, kind of on the same page as the rest of the offense. And it showed Saturday night. Yeah. That, that's my biggest issue right now is what Josh Heupel talked about during his Monday press conference, which is shooting themselves in the foot errors that are unforced, whether that's penalties in the pre-snap, whether that's not making a tackle that needs to be made, uh, whatever those issues are that are on yourself, that are not Florida doing it to you, but you putting yourself in a hole. I think that's what killed Tennessee on Saturday was so many drives that felt like they started first and 15 uh, or first and 20, second and 20. And you can't, you can't win football games when you're doing that. 10 penalties for Tennessee throughout the course of the game. And, and I think that was the main killer. People expected Florida to put up about as many points as they did. That wasn't a surprise. If you told me Tennessee scored less than 30 points in that football game, I probably would have agreed that they would lose. So it comes on that offensive end, but I think that you, we'll talk about Joe Milton uh, next, but I thought he did good, yeah. and I thought he did good enough. The issue was they were starting behind the eight ball on seemingly every drive. Like I just said, let's, let's talk about Joe Milton. How would you grade his performance – we both touched on it a little bit, but would you put the blame on him or did he do a good enough job? Kind of, kind of what are your thoughts on Joe Milton through three weeks now? Yeah, I, I think, you know, 
in that Florida game, you just kind of said it perfectly. He was good enough. I think you could argue that the throw with the interception, him getting hit affected it, but maybe it was still an ill-advised throw on him. Um, but there were times in that game where he looked as good as he's looked all season. You know, that first drive was kind of textbook. I think uh, that was kind of what we expected out of him this season, the way they moved it so quickly downfield, hitting some open guys, guys like Squirrel White getting behind the secondary. Brew McCoy, you know, a, a guy that's played a lot of football that helped set that up. And then Ramel Keaton capping that drive so quickly on the road, making kind of a statement. I think that's what we expected Joe Milton and this Tennessee offense to look like this year. Um, and in my opinion, the only reason Tennessee's in that game in the second half is because of Joe Milton and the way that he played. I don't see how, you know, obviously getting a lot of unfair criticism on, on social media or what have you. I'm sure they're tuning that out. But, you know, I, I don't see how you could, you could argue that any other quarterback on that roster could go in that game and make a difference. Um, I thought Joe Milton played good enough. I don't know necessarily to win, but, but good enough to keep Tennessee in a game that, like you said earlier, they dug themselves in a hole. So, it's it was concerning the first two weeks with the connection with the receivers. Uh, again, some of that was on the receivers, some of that was on Joe. But as far as Saturday night goes, I, I would go with a B minus because I do think that that Tennessee is going into that fourth quarter with any kind of shot to win on the road because of the way Joe Milton was playing. Yeah, I think that's fair. He, he has gotten a lot of criticism from the fan base recently about his level of play, but I mean. I don't know if Hendon Hooker just ruined everyone's kind of idea of what a good SEC quarterback is because of how good Hendon was. But Joe Milton's been really solid, uh, or at least he was against Florida for the better part of that game. You talk about the interception. Yeah, he can't throw that ball. You need to do something else with it, whether it's just tuck it and take the sack, throw it away uh, earlier. Whatever it is, you can't just throw it out for grabs like he did while he gets hit. But – Throughout the, the course of the game, I, I thought that there was a lot of positives you could have taken away from his play. He hit on some big throws down the field, squirrel white on that opening drive that, that you mentioned that ended up with another great throw to Ramel Keaton. Or on a big third down, Dante Thornton up the up the seam, Jim Milton puts the ball on the money. Or, or Brew McCoy at the end of the game, the final touchdown of the game, uh, too little too late, but it was a really good throw. I, I don't think it was Joe's fault uh, talking to a lot of other people they don't seem to think it's Joe's fault talking to Josh Heupel today at the presser. He didn't seem to really think it was Joe's fault. He said there's a lot that he needs to improve on, and they understand that. But it wasn't like he sat up there and, and said, yeah, it, this one falls on Joe. He needs to be better. It was, no, Joe had a lot of areas that were really positive, but he also needs to grow. And I, I think that that's the correct answer there is that he's been good but not great, and they need him to take that next step for sure. But – I don't think it's fair to make him the scapegoat at this point in the season. But we've talked about the offense. We focused pretty much mainly on the offense so far. What about the defense? Uh, tough start for them to begin this game. Ended up tightening up in the second half against the Florida team that didn't really do much offensively or, or even try to do much offensively in the second half. But they at least only, only held them to three. What does this defense need to do to get back on track? Yeah, I think I'll go with the low-hanging fruit here, but I'll go with the two obvious things from Saturday. That was, you know, make tackles and get off the field on third down. It was definitely a step back for them. And there were times it looked like uh, the defense that played in that South Carolina game a year ago. And it's not like Graham Mertz lit them up for four or 500 yards or anything like that, but he was efficient on third down. He hit some plays downfield when Tennessee really needed to get off the field. 
that allowed them to extend some scoring drives there. And, and that's tough to come back from on the road. Um, I, also the run game as well. I mean, the interception, I think, was a play that, you know, was, was one of the defining plays of the game. But Florida's touchdown drive to answer Tennessee's when Tennessee was up 7-0, the way that they held Florida early, forced the field goal, get partially blocked it or, or whatever happened there to, you know, keep the score 0-0 and then go down the way the offense did and score. And then Florida comes right back, and Trevor Etienne was going to get a first down, had the first down regardless on the run. But, man, it, who's to say that – Kamal Haddon doesn't come up and make that tackle that Florida gets anything out of that drive because we saw the way the defense held before. So that was concerning, just, just things like that, some uh, a lack of – I don't want to use the word lack of effort, but, you know, it was just things that you could stop kind of early in that game that could have changed it, that being one of them uh, on that run. So I think those are the two most glaring things because early in the week we saw early, early the season in the first two games, we saw how effective – They've been at stopping the run. They did not do that very well Saturday night against two really good backs. And, and the deeper you get in league play, you're going to keep playing better backfields. Um, and then again, you know, we had some concerns about this secondary. I know you did, especially at corner going into this season. And that was kind of the first time we've really seen uh, them kind of pay for their mistakes. And, and you're going to have a lot of games like that if those things aren't corrected. Yeah, maybe not a lack of effort, but at least a, a lack of fundamentals yeah. from Tennessee secondary, yeah. missing a lot of tackles, letting ETN go for more yards than, than maybe he should have. And like you said, it, it was going to be a big run regardless, but you can stop them there at around midfield and who knows what happens. They already missed a field goal. That extra point doesn't go in right after anyway. So clearly the special teams unit was, wasn't firing all cylinders for Florida. You might get that ball back up 7 nothing, and then it's a, a different story after you stop Florida twice. But that just didn't happen. Last thing I want to ask before we move on to talking about this UTSA game coming up on Saturday is we both had Tennessee at 10 and 2 heading into this season. Neither of us had Tennessee losing this game in our season predictions, though. So we've had three weeks to see two and one record. Are you sticking with 10 and 2? Is that going to fall? Maybe, maybe you got an 11 and 1. You think they figure it out? What, what does the season prediction look like for you, Noah? with nine games left in this season? Yeah, I I know this isn't really answering your question. I'm kind of going back and forth on nine and three and eight and four, and I'm leaning eight and four right now. I, I think I said, you know, I felt really confident about 10 and two at the beginning of the season, and I, I think we were on here, and I said that Florida game, which is obvious for anybody, that that Florida game was going to tell us a lot. You know, Tennessee, you know, we felt was the better team, but playing on the road, didn't handle some road games well last year. How are they going to – handled that game early in the season. And now we know our answer. They didn't handle it very well. And we're still seeing a lot of the issues we've seen the first three, three weeks. So that's a little bit concerning. Um, and that loss leaves you very little room to get to your goals. That, that leaves you very little room for error uh, to, to finish out the rest of the way, because I think the good news for Tennessee right now, and we talked about it on the drive back on Sunday from Gainesville was this league is down. There's no doubt about that. I mean, you look at across the SEC and you see Georgia, the two-time defending national champion. Yeah, I, I'm going to give them the edge in every game that they play, but they've looked human the last couple of weeks, and that could change by the time Tennessee plays them in November. Kentucky ha hasn't looked overly impressive. Alabama hasn't looked overly impressive. So the good news for Tennessee is there is a, a lot of winnable games on that schedule to still compete for the East, and still get to what we thought they would be at. 
But right now, I, I'm going to have to see a lot of stuff corrected, and, and that starts with UTSA this week. So right now, I, I think I'm going to go 8-4 just because I, I just don't know at this point if those things are going to be drastically improved between now and South Carolina. The good news, again, is you got a really long stretch here at home against two teams, three teams, counting UTSA, but two SEC teams that I think you can absolutely beat. So that's the good news for Tennessee, but there's a lot that needs to be cleaned up to, to have 10-2 and two be a possibility still. I'll agree with eight and four. Uh, I'll even give the three games I think they lose. I, I think they come out of this home stretch uh, with all wins, and then they drop games to Alabama, Kentucky, and Georgia. And those were the three games I was most most concerned about going into the season in terms of losses. Uh, and I, I believe in the season predictions we did ahead of the year, I had Georgia and Alabama being the two losses, but I'll throw in that Kentucky game as well. Now, Hypel obviously success over Kentucky so far, one in Lexington in year one, and then blew them out at home. But it's concerning to see his struggles on the road so far in his career at Tennessee, and even dating back to UCF. And we, we've seen it a, a few times now where this team goes on the road in hostile environments and they don't communicate well, they don't respond well, and it ends up being a factor. And, you know, Lexington isn't going to be the swamp. It's not going to be Athens, but it's not going to be an easy place to play. So I think Kentucky is, is a good enough team that they could give Tennessee some trouble, but I'll, I'll stick at eight and four with those three losses right now. And, and you hit it as well. That Florida game, I think, told us a lot about this team, stuff that we didn't necessarily think heading into the season, but kind of some of those issues are, are starting to, to turn their ugly head now and, and show them to us. So, Eight and four, I think, is a year that would be a little underwhelming for Tennessee yeah. and a little disappointing. But in the in the grand scheme of things, big picture, eight and four in year three after ten and two in year two, and a lot of great talent coming and a lot of really good looking young guys on the team right now. And and Joshua Josephs, Arian Carter, Elijah Herring. That's just on the defensive end, of course. Nico at quarterback, Squirrel White at receiver, Dylan Sampson at running back. You can get on the list of all that talent. I think that they'll be in good hands going forward still, even if this year does end up being slightly worse than expected. But let's talk about UTSA. I have a couple questions for you. We'll hit on them quickly uh, and, and kind of just go through our thoughts ahead of the matchup with the Roadrunners. Dylan Sampson didn't play at all against Florida. Dante Thornton didn't play at all in the first half but kind of had a really solid third quarter before disappearing again. But two guys that were expected to be pretty decently big impactors for, for this team that haven't saw the field much. Who do you think has a better chance to contribute versus UTSA, Dylan Sampson or Dante Thornton? Uh, I'm going to say Dante Thornton. And we got to see, like you said, got to see a little bit of him in that second half. And I think for the most part, what you know, but actually that, that may be the most we've seen him at all this year after – you know, especially in a game where it was really critical to have some, you know, get a drive going there in, in the third quarter. Um, but I, I think, you know, he had the big catch deep, maybe should have had two uh, in that game. Um, a, a pass interference, defensive pass interference call that that wasn't called on the on the first deep throw to him by Joe Milton. Um, but I think that was a good enough sample size for him to get more targets. Now, Squirrel also had a good start to that game as well. And I, I know they're both – in the slot position, but you know, they talked about it in the earlier in the season that he could play outside. I don't know where we'll see him on Saturday, but 
I think given the way he played in that second half and, and kind of helped get a drive going there, um, kind of sets him up to, to get the ball a little bit more here in this game. And, and I wouldn't count Dylan Sampson out either. I'm not even really super confident in Dante Thornton being more of a factor than Dylan Sampson just because we know how good Dylan Sampson can be. Um, I think what's holding me back now is is just Josh Apple today saying he was a little bit nicked up. I, you know, I don't know how much of that played a factor in him not getting on the field Saturday. Um, you would think when you're trying to just build some kind of momentum on the road that you would just throw him out there to, to see if maybe he can break one for you. But I think at this point, you know, uh, Jalen Wright has done so well uh, running the ball that there's really no point in going away from him. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I, I like Dante Thornton right now, but I could definitely see Dylan Sampson also uh, being a big contributor on Saturday. I'll go with Dante as well, just because it's not like Jalen Wright's been bad at running back. Yeah. It's not like uh, Jabari Small has been bad at running back. So you have that that two-man punch, and you don't really need to very often go to that third guy. Uh, you want to get him touches uh, because he's a good player on one hand, but also because you, you want to keep him satisfied uh, <laughs> until he's really that main guy at running back. Uh, you, you want to feed him a little bit, but – the wide receivers have struggled a little bit this season and Dante coming out in the third quarter, I think could prove to the coaching staff, maybe a little bit more that he needs to see some snaps. And you talked about his versatility. We've only seen him at the slot so far, which has been yeah. interesting because all off season, they talked about how he could play outside. So we'll see if maybe he gets his first reps at the X or Z position against UTSA. But I mean, I expect Squirrel White to get the start. I expect them to use him. I'm not saying Squirrel White's been bad, but I think that, Dante's maybe starting to force the coaching staff's hand a little bit in terms of putting him on the field after that production against Florida. Uh, and this could be another good opportunity for him to kind of show his skill set off. But let's talk a little bit, Joe Milton again. I just want to hear what do you kind of project his stats to look like by the end of this UTSA game? Um, maybe a little bit of what we saw against Florida. I think I, I've, I, maybe I'm a little bit too positive. I, I do think that this could be a, a really good opportunity for him because I, I think there is something to build on from last Saturday. And I know it's tough to say that and really tough for Vol fans to hear, try to find anything positive when you had a game, like you mentioned at the beginning, it, it, the streak and all that. I know the team doesn't care about it, but that was a game you felt really good about going in. And now you're kind of left with more questions than answers than you had going into it. And I get that. I, but I think this is a really good opportunity for this team. It's a UTSA team at the beginning of the year that they came in. Josh, I've talked about today. They're back-to-back conference champions. They've won a lot of games in a couple years there. It was a game on some people's radar as a trap game for Tennessee before that emotional uh, South Carolina game and in between that Florida game. Now you're coming off the Florida game with an unexpected loss. And I don't know if it looms larger, if it's more of a trap game. Now I don't know how people are really viewing it. Uh, but I see it as a, as a really good opportunity for Joe Milton to build off what he did in that second half. So I don't know specifically what he would have, but I see it similar to that stat line. And you would hope in this game, I didn't think I'd be saying it about UTSA and not Austin P. but you would hope in this game, this would be the one where maybe you, you have the opportunity to pull him in, in that second half and, and get some reps for Nico against a, a solid team. Uh, for Milton's stat line, I'll go with about – 220 through the air, mm-hmm. maybe about 20 rushing, two touchdowns and no turnovers. And I think that that would be positive and, and plenty to get Tennessee the win. I expect them to get the ground game going again. Uh, you see it all the time. 
offense drives the ball down the field, maybe a big play puts the ball inside the five, and then they just hand it off to Jabari Smaller, Jalen Wright, and he gets credit for the touchdown. But I think Milton finds the end zone uh, two times to, to some receivers or tight ends or, or even one of those swing passes that they've been doing. And, and I think that he takes care of the football, which I, th- I think is a big deal because he, he just has that one, that one blip on the radar now of that interception against Florida in his career at Tennessee. And it was so avoidable and one that he definitely is kicking himself for and absolutely wants back because it's not like he made the wrong read. It's not like he put the ball in the wrong spot. He just made a dumb decision to let it loose and he got hit and the ball just fluttered in the air. And I, I think that that's probably Joe Milton's biggest strength so far in his career at Tennessee has been taking care of the ball. So I expect that to get back on track as he goes 200 plus, but probably not pushing 300 and finds the end zone with no interceptions. Do you think the defense can return to form though? We talked about earlier how they were so dominant against Virginia. They were dominant against Austin P. And they had a good second half against Florida, but in that first half, they couldn't really get their footing. They couldn't get going. Do you expect this to be the defense from the first two games that shows up and UTSA just kind of runs out of answers pretty quickly on the offensive end? Or do you think this is a Tennessee defense that maybe falls back down to earth and we should expect more of what we saw against Florida? Yeah, you, you would certainly hope that it, it is a, a response game for those guys because, like you said, a lot of positive momentum going into that Florida game. You know, we were here. We were in week three, and we were saying the defense has been the best part of the team, the most consistent part of the team. And and like you said, they were brought down to earth in that Florida game. You know, the concern. I don't know if concerns the right word, but we talked about it a lot. It was kind of an asterisk next to those stats against Virginia and Austin P. That okay, we knew who the opponent was. Let's see how they do against Florida. And they they didn't. I, I wouldn't say fail that test because they played well in the second half. But I do like them to kind of return to that form this week. You know, UTSA is tied 79th nationally in sacks allowed. I think they've allowed seven this year. Florida had, had allowed quite a bit as well going into that game, and, and Tennessee wasn't able to affect the quarterback as much. Did get some pressure on Mertz sometimes. But I, I do like that. I think a big factor this week, too, and we haven't heard anything on it, at least at this point, is the quarterback situation at UTSA. You know, the, their start has been a little bit unexpected as well. Um, with uh, Frank Harris out. I, I don't know what their situation will be like this week, but I, I do like them to, to get back there to affect the quarterback, get get back to making some tackles for loss, and then take an element out of the game. I don't really know what UTSA's, you know, bread and butter has been to this point. You know, we watched a little bit of them Friday night against Army, um, and I watched a little bit of them against Houston in week one. But I do like the Tennessee defense to respond well and, and kind of get back to, to doing what they did the first two weeks. Yeah, I think that it'll be a, a good bounce back game for Tennessee. I think James Pierce Jr. could kind of get his name back into the spotlight a little bit with the sacker too. I think Tyler Barron could also be a guy that ends up with a, a really nice game. And then, of course, Aaron Beasley still, he's been everywhere in all three games. Another guy that I think could have a really good showing. But I think that Tennessee will be able to kind of shut down UTSA enough where Tennessee can build an early lead and, and not coast to victory like you would against uh, an FCS opponent, or at least you would hope you would against an FCS, FCS opponent. But uh, UTSA is a good team, uh, FBS team, and, and I think that that's going to be tough for uh, – or let me say I, I think that'll be a, a game that Tennessee could control early on the defensive side. And I think that's one that we'll see, even though it is uh, – not a give me game, but a weaker opponent than some SEC foes is what I should say. Um, 
But let's wrap it up with two last quick things. Who's your MVP for this game? Man, uh, I think I think I'm going to go defense on this one because um, we, we both agree it's going to be a bounce back game. I, I think, uh, gosh, any one of those guys up front that have played really well. I will say Tyler Barron. I know you just mentioned him. I, I like Tyler Barron. I, I really do like this team to get back to affecting the QB and looking the way they did in the first two weeks. Um, I think you could pick any one of those guys, especially given UTSA's kind of inability to, to protect the quarterback to this point. Um, but I, I'm going to go with Tyler Barron to get a couple sacks in there and kind of get back to form. Um, and, and again, you know, if you're a Tennessee fan and this coaching staff too, they talked a little bit about it Saturday night after that loss how the team was going to regroup, regroup. Maybe that's, you know, your, your typical coach speak that just kind of that the players are, are adopting as well after a loss. But I mean, you, you hope to see it. You really hope to see it. This is a, a solid, you know, group of five team that you're playing again, a team that people kind of circled on the calendar as a trap game for Tennessee. We didn't think so as some UTSA fans, you know, pointed out, but you know, <laughs> we'll kind of see on Saturday and, and you want to, you know, it's a little break from SEC play after that loss. You want to have a really good response. I like the defense to do it. I, I kind of I like Tyler Barron to lead the way. I'll go with Jalen Wright at running back. I think it's another game where he could look. You look at his yards per carry at the end, and it's it's something close to a first down. Uh, just another really productive day from him. Like I said earlier, I think it's another game where Tennessee's going to try to get rolling in the run game. Of course, you you want to let Milton throw it. You want to let him kind of start to figure those things out. But it is the bread and butter of, of Tennessee's offense is getting that ground game going to open up everything else. So I think Jalen Wright's going to see a lot of touches. I think he's going to get a lot of carries and end up with a, a really solid night and, and probably find the end zone at least once as well. So I'll go Jalen Wright for my MVP. I think we both agree that Tennessee's going to win this game against UTSA. But I want to take it a step further. Tennessee beat Austin P. But it didn't feel good afterward. Yeah. It, it didn't feel like a win. It, it almost felt like a loss in some ways because of the level of play Tennessee played at. When you're walking out of Neyland Stadium on Saturday night, do you expect a similar feeling of Tennessee won, but it, it wasn't satisfying? It wasn't the, the type of win you wanted to see? Or do you think this is going to be a win where Tennessee fans leave and they feel better about this season and confident heading into South Carolina? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be one they feel better about. And, it, and it's going to have to be for, for at least the perception right now because that Florida game changes everything. I mean, you go down to Gainesville, you win, you come out sluggish against UTSA and you squeak by. I think you're fine with that because you're like, okay, again, a, a solid UTSA team. We're 1-0 in the SEC. Still some things clean up, but we're feeling good going into South Carolina the following week. That, that Florida game changes stuff because now you come off that loss and you want to click on all cylinders. You want to go out there. there I'm not saying there's not going to be mistakes still because I, I don't see a complete 180 in one week with this offense and, and some of the issues we saw on Saturday. But I do think it's going to be a game where you come out and you do feel better about that. You do see some things cleaned up. You do see some plays hit downfield, more consistent drives. Thing, uh, picking up first downs on third down, things like that. And then the defense as well, you know, playing well. So I, I do like that to be a game where Tennessee leaves and, and feels maybe in better shape um, than they did uh, Saturday night. And then two Saturdays ago against Austin P. like you said. Yeah, uh, I, I think it'll be somewhere in the middle. 
I, I it's a little bit of a cop out of an answer, but <laughs> I don't think Tennessee's going to come out of that thinking, yeah, we're back, like South Carolina, yeah. watch out. But I also don't think that Tennessee's going to come out of it feeling like a loss again. Uh, and I, I think that that'll be good enough, and, and you'll feel confident enough in the win that that there'll be a, a celebration at the end in some ways, because after the Austin P game, there wasn't, it, it wasn't a feel of a celebration after it. There's a feel of disappointment. I don't think it'll go that far. That'll feel like that, but I don't also also necessarily think that it'll maybe cover up what happened yeah. in Gainesville. So, so I'll say somewhere in the middle, well, of course we'll give our full score predictions uh, at the end of the week. So make sure you head over to VolReport.com to check that out. But really quickly, we have some breaking news while we are doing this show. For transparency, we are doing this on Monday night. This will be posted on Tuesday morning. But the SEC just handed down punishments for the altercation at the end of the Tennessee-Florida game. Looking through it, we have three Florida players and one Tennessee player suspended for the first half of their next game's for flagrant unsportsmanlike actions in the aftermath of the Florida at Tennessee football game on Saturday night in Gainesville. The suspensions were determined after video review and consultation between the Southeastern Conference office, the University of Florida, and the University of Tennessee. For Florida, it's offensive lineman Damian George Jr., offensive lineman Micah Mascua, I could be pronouncing that wrong, and tight end Dante Zanders. For Tennessee, the only suspended player from the altercation will be Omar Norman Lott, a uh, transfer from Arizona State who has come in and been really solid for Tennessee on the defensive front. will have to miss that first half against UTSA. He'll be back in the fold for the second half. But that does mean that, that we'll see a little bit of a different rotation for that first half on the defensive line. Doesn't appear Elijah Simmons is trending towards being healthy. Just, just haven't gotten that vibe. Not 100% sure yet. But uh, next to Omari Thomas, who at first it looked like he would be suspended as well for the targeting call at the end of the game. Of course, that got reversed. He'll be a starter. And then maybe a Bryson Eason or Karat Garland. We'll, we'll have to see exactly who comes in and plays defensive tackle for Tennessee. But for that first half, no Omar Norman lot. So we'll end it on that note, though. Make sure you head over to VolReport.com for all of our content and subscribe to the YouTube channel right here as we will have the press conferences throughout the week posted. We will have uh, more Vol Report show content on the way, talking with UTSA's uh, rival site and getting the scoop on the Roadrunners, as well as Noah and I's breakdown after all the press conferences. And then, of course, on game day, we'll be here as well. So subscribe to the YouTube channel, head over to VolReport.com. Everything you need is in the description. And thank you for watching.